I'm a white male, and I am prejudiced. The reason it is, it's something I wasn't taught, but it's kind of something that I learned. What can I do to change, you know, to be a better American? I responded off the top of my head, but from my heart, and I told him thank you, and I just came up with some thoughts about how he could sort of integrate his life and, and learn to have more empathy and compassion with people of color. Your ability to just say, this is what I have, I have these fears and prejudices and I want to get over them, is one of the most powerful things that we can do. So what can you do? Get to know black families. Join a church if you are a religious person that is uh, a black church or a church that is uh, interracial. Foster conversation in your family and in your neighborhood where you're asking exactly those kinds of questions. I think a lot of white folks wanted to hear that they could make that kind of admission and not be greeted with the anger that they fear, but rather understanding and a sort of productive way forward. I went down to North Carolina and I met with Gary and we furthered that conversation about race and asked each other hard questions and it was amazing. I said this is somebody else I could talk to again and here we are, we're talking again. When you get to know people, you're usually your fears are unjustified. Don't let it go by. If you got eight million people responding positively to my insecurities they must be having the same thing yeah it's just something that is is we don't practice and taking that first step is the hardest thing it's time for us to actually have a conversation with white folks and it's time for white folks to have a conversation with each other about how it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game Hello everyone and welcome to Genealogy Adventures. I'm Brian Sheffy. I'm Donya Williams. How are you guys today? And we are joined again this week with, with um guests from last week to carry on the conversation, Loretta Bellamy and Hamad Hassan. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Hamad Hassan. <laughs> cousin. cousin, what's going on here? <laughs> Hi, cousin. I'm so sorry, Hamad. Your last name just Flew out of my head there for a second. Anyway, thank you once again for for rejoining us because we had such an amazing conversation um, the last show last week. So today we're going to be talking about brick walls of a different kind. Normally we talk about records, you know, not being able to find records for for an ancestor. Today we're going to talk about finding or discovering family members who identify as a different ethnicity or race than you do, or finding out that you actually descend from an ancestor who has a different race or ethnicity from the one that you identify with, because that can cause all kinds of issues, um, all kinds of problems. And again, it's just one of those kind of sensitive family information. So the video clip that you saw on the, the introduction of the show was a brilliant clip that um, Donia found um, on YouTube. And we felt that that really did a good job kind of introducing the topic of this show. And Donnie, did you want to say a little bit more about the video? Okay, well, the video um, to me, so this is this is what I have to say about the video. Uh, I loved it. It was about this lady who, that she was on a show and this man called in and he admitted his prejudice 
and which was brilliant. And he was like, how can I fix that? How can I change that? And she gave him all these ideas and she went even further by going to visit him. And they were able to talk and they were able to go into detail and they were able to ask questions that needed to be asked. That is what has to happen with us. We have to be able to ask these particular questions. We have to be able to be bold enough to answer these questions um, and let people know, as far as all of that is concerned, how we feel on both ends and not get angry when we have these questions. So that's what this show is about. It's about what we're adding on to our particular trees and our families our white families who don't want to add us on because we're black and our black families who don't want to add our white families on because they're white. That doesn't make any sense because we're family nonetheless. So. And I think that, you know, and I think again, like last week, this is going to be a really good panel because just like we had different viewpoints from last week, all four of us have very different viewpoints in terms of, well, not viewpoints, experiences in terms of meeting family who don't look like us or may not even pray like we do. Um, for my own, and I'm sure we're gonna kind of dig into this you know, over the hour, but my experiences have been both amazing, kind of eh, and some of them have been pretty awful. So my, you know, my experience runs the gamut. Yes, well, um, so as far as, you know, Hamad and, Loretta concerned, Hamad has dealt a lot with our white families on the subtle side. Um, I've dealt with some of my white family on the Yaledale side. None with my white family on the Brook side. I just can't seem to get past the... Yeah, but Hamad, what is your experience? Loretta, what are you, know, what are you two guys' experience? Well, I've had good experiences. Uh, and whenever I do, I invite them to the group. Uh, so we have Holly and her sisters, Gina and Dana. They've been very open and accepting. We've met in person. It's been perfect. But that's been the exception. That's been the exception to the rule. Yes, it has. Most of the time. I get, well, I don't know how this could be. It's impossible. I've never heard about this. Look, man, the DNA doesn't lie. <laughs> The DNA doesn't care what you think or thought or what your mother told you, your grandparents. We match. I look at the tree. I see a settles. I'm a settles. That's our connection. And they, they deny it. Uh, some have been very rude with me, forceful, um, saying, look, I wish you the best of luck, but you're not, we're not family. Wow. Yes, I've had that. I've had people send me pictures and say, well, you can't share that picture. We don't, I don't want that picture being shown to anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, so you mean they, they, they acknowledge that they're family, but they won't let you show the picture. Right. They say, here's a picture, but don't show it to anybody. Um, and what they do is one-on-one, -on -one, they may call me cousin, but if another white person comes up, they call me a friend. What? Yes. I've had that. <laughs> This is my friend, Ahmad. <laughs> and I've had some that don't care. They're just wide open. We're family. And they don't need the importance of my color. But it's been uh, it's been rough sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah. been rough. That's been my experience. And do you, Amanda? How about you? 
Mine is the same with um, on the same lines as Hamad. You know, either they're all in or they're not, or they'll acknowledge it, but they won't don't want to take it any further than that. It's a don't tell. Uh, we don't want to talk about it. Okay, yeah, we must have something in common because yeah, DNA doesn't lie, but we're just gonna leave it at that. We're just gonna leave it right there. But their reasons is because they don't want to upset the family. And, um, you know, when I asked one particular uh, white cousin, uh, are you guys prejudiced? Well, no, we have uh, black people in our families. So what's the problem then? You know, why, why can't this discussion go any further? So it's not the current generation. It's usually related to some elder that still may be alive that may not be receptive of the information. So it's like, so what are you saying? We have to wait for them to pass on before we can discuss this? And that's basically what I was getting. I was like, okay. Well, I don't know about you three, but with me, it kind of depends on the state where our, where our common ancestor lived. So for my Quaker Pennsylvania um, cousins, a lot of whom, you know, we have um, family members who moved south and became enslavers, they're shocked. I mean, they've been amazing. They've been brilliant in terms of providing me with information. But in their minds, because they know that the ancestors who left Pennsylvania were Quakers and were anti-slavery, they just couldn't believe that anyone from the family would go on to become enslavers. So for them, that, that was their kind of jarring revelation. But they've all been brilliant in terms of helping me find records back in you know the old country where, where, our, where our family came from. Virginia? has been amazing. Out of any state, I was actually more nervous about connecting with um, my Virginia cousins, but they, literally about 100% of them, have been amazing. Now it gets tricky when I get into Tennessee and Kentucky. They can go 50-50. It can either be really positive or really negative. North Carolina, 50-50. When I hit South Carolina and start going further south, it's like 90% negative, 10% positive. How would you summarize yours, Tanya? Um, my Yeldo family, I love them with everything in me. I, I have to say that my my white Yeldo family is, is an awesome group. My black Yeldo family, awesome group. I love them for everything. I have tried several times to get in contact with um my Brooks line and both the black and the white are not, they don't contact me back. Um, I had one Brooks family member who contacted me back, but they said that they were in the middle of something and they would get back to me. And then they never got back to me. And when I went to go to their tree, their tree was closed. Then I've had another Brooks family member who was on my Facebook page and um, while she was on my Facebook page, she uh, was just, I hate to say this, but she was a racist. She was just really bad. She was really bad. And I had to get her off my page because I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I, I needed to stay a certain way. I need to be presentable. And, <laughs> and, and she was just kind of taking me in a, in a, in a direction where I was like, you know what, this is not going to work. 
So <laughs> you have to go. And then there, um, my Williams line, I have also found that they'll say, yeah, we're ready for you. And then they'll close their tree down. So, yeah. Only people that has never closed their tree down on me is my white Yaledale family. Never. So what I can say is when I met white cousins for the first time, I couldn't have met the nice I couldn't have met nicer people. My, you know, the both Bo and Teresa were on the Sheffy's, my dad's paternal Sheffy side of the line. Um, yeah, we were all nervous. You know, I met them with my brother and my sister. So we were all nervous. We didn't really know how it was gonna go. And it's just on one level, it's meeting strangers. You don't know if you're gonna get just because your family doesn't mean you're gonna get on. Okay. Doesn't have anything in common. But after the other thing that made it slightly awkward is we knew exactly how we were related and why we were related. But sitting down around a table and a nice, you know, nice restaurant, God, those really were the good old days where you could actually do that kind of stuff. But you know, we, we went, you know, we went out to a really nice restaurant, sat at a table, and just started talking. And I swear to God, within an hour, it was like we had known each other all of our lives. We were just that comfortable with one another. My Patrick Henry cousins have by and large been really supportive, and really amazing. As a matter of fact, we're having the discussion about getting my road on the line. Um, you know, uh, we're doing a whole lot of testing and um, looking to get them formally recognized. So they've been great. My Jossies have been great. Um, but thinking about South Carolina, that's why I really value our cousins like Missy Price, Sharon Rowe, because they are definitely the exceptions. They've just yeah. been so cool to know. Uh -huh. um, Don't yeah. forget Martha. Don't forget Martha. Oh, Martha. Yes, Martha, too. Sorry, Martha, especially as you're doing some research for me. Martha, again, Martha's been great. And so is Deborah. Yes. Um, but they, they are the exceptions to the rule, I have to say. Um, and I think it's just been a really big kind of learning curve for everyone because they've learned more about their family. We've learned more about our family. Um, sharing our kind of research tips, trying to, you know, how we have to research poorly documented people. They have poorly documented people in their families. So kind of the, the methodologies and strategies that we've developed has helped them in their research too with their, with their white family members. Brian, I just have a question for you. How comfortable or uncomfortable is your conversation with your white ancestors when you really get into the slave-slave-master conversation? How do they feel about that, and how do they respond to that? That is an excellent question. And I can say hand on heart, it depends on what I know about the enslaving ancestor and how my mulatto ancestor was conceived, the circumstances. So with my Sheffy cousins, we don't know. We know that Jemima George had at least five children with John Adam Sheffy, who ended up going to Tennessee. I'd like to think that because they had more than just one or two, that there was, and again, I'm only hesitating because I, I don't want to be dragged and I don't want to deal with nonsense on Twitter and Facebook. Because America, we haven't had this conversation. There's no terminology or vocabulary for even discussing this. But with mm -hmm. the Chinese, it was just an honest conversation. It's like, look, I don't know what happened between John and Jemima, but they clearly had a lot of kids. 
Um, mm -hmm. The Sheffy family seemed to have taken good care of them in as much as slavery could accommodate that. Um, so it was, I guess it was just easier. It just that just kind of made us more relaxed. Now, funnily enough, Teresa, Bo's wife, she is also my cousin through James Henry Hammond. Now she knows all about James Henry Hammond, so I can mm -hmm. have an honest and frank conversation. For those who, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, James Henry Hammond was a governor of South Carolina. He was a renowned sexual predator. Even his own, even his own young young white nieces were not off limits. He was also a pedophile. He liked him young. That was his thing. So I can have an, so we can have an honest and open, frank conversation about our mutual ancestor. But because she, you know, she knows, she know, you know, she knows that she knew his character. She knew what kind of man he was. So again, that was an easy conversation. Now, when it comes to some of our Edgefield family, I don't know what was going on with Luke Holloway. Um, sorry, Luke Harling. You know, I don't know the circumstances in which our, our Harling ancestors were conceived. Again, there was more than one of them. So I don't know how that speaks to the nature of the relationship. I think what makes it difficult for us is if we don't know, there is always that question mark about how our, how our mulatto ancestors were conceived. Mm -hmm. Right. I, um, we have a, a person who, who named Kaylee on the show and she did a comment. She said the first time she met an African-American cousin, well, the first time an African-American cousin reached out to me, I had never considered the possibility that my ancestors may have raped their slaves and there, there probably was some denial on my part. 20 years later, I understand the realities of the past a lot better and my reaction is different. But until, and, and, and that's great. And the thing is, until you start to understand, like you just said, that's when you'll start doing things differently. And I think that's why the show, the, the, um, the, the video that we posted at the beginning, that's why we played that video because it wasn't until he started to talk and understand is when he started to realize, you know what, I'm I'm basing this on something that's ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm why am I doing this? So the first thing he did was like those steps in AA. You know, he he admitted that was the first thing he did. He admitted that there was a problem. And and that's it. But I want to ask you, Kaylee. So now, do you add your African American families on your tree? Because that's what this this is about. Are we adding them on our trees? Because I'm adding mine, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't care if don't nobody want my, them on my tree. I'm not in. The, I'm I'm not in. I'm I'm not in that business. That's your problem. That's not mine. And I've said on many times with my mom on several different occasions, you have to deal with that when you meet whomever it is that you believe in later on. I know my heart. I know who I am. I know the kind of person that I am. And I know what it is that I'm doing. And I'm doing it for the betterment. And I know it's for the betterment of everybody in one way or another. So when we go and we meet our maker, He's going to be or she's going to be the one to sit down and talk to you and say, why, 
why are you like that towards her? She wasn't doing anything except for trying to pull you in as family. So I'm going to put you on my tree. If you my cousin, understand and know when I find it, when I'm when I know where you go, you're there. That's a good point. Well, the, I was going to say the other part of my answer to Loretta's question is I always make it patently clear I'm in no way blaming any living person for something that happened 90, 100, 150, 200 years right. ago, because that, that's just ridiculous. They weren't, none of us were there. So I think that that puts people at their ease. And, you know, the fact that until I actually have documented evidence, I try not to presume the circumstances in which certain ancestors were conceived. The other thing I always, I always point out, I don't want money. I don't expect you to pay for my college loan. I'm not looking for Christmas presents, Christmas cards, birthday cards, nothing. The only thing I need, would like to have from you is any information that you have. So I'm not coming for the family land. I'm not coming, if you still have it, I'm not coming for the family house or the silver. Mm -hmm. Just so. That's it. And if you want to develop a family relationship, I'm open to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the point. Many feel that we're going to come back, and this has been my experience. They think we're going to say, "Yeah, you guys enslaved my my ancestors," you know. And I know some that have information that will be valuable to this group, valuable, but they won't do it. They won't give it up because they're saying, "Well, I'm so ashamed of my settles family having slaves. I don't want anything to do with it." And I'm like, "You're missing the point." Guys, you're missing the point. We're trying to get information. You know, we're not here to condemn you. you know? Right. But yeah. the other thing that they're missing is the fact that this is a healing process. You know, everything that, that goes on as far as research is concerned, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, it has been such an eye-opener and 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 a, it's a healing process. It allows you to actually know the things that are going on. We don't. We no longer have to assume that these things happen. Like, for example, for Brian, Brian has a family member who he found out wasn't raped. It was an actual love affair. Mm -hmm. You know. So, with that being said, not all people were raped. Mm -hmm. You know. That's well, <laughs> It's the thing that really upsets me about Sally Hemings. Like Pocahontas, I wish people wouldn't use her name unless they really understood the history that was going on behind that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's this narrative that Sally Hemings was raped. She was not raped. Her relationship with Thomas Jefferson, and I'm speaking, you know, these are, this is another set of my ancestors. Their relationship didn't start until she was in Paris. She was in France with her brother, who was studying to be the, the French culinary arts. He and she together sat down and they negotiated with Thomas Jefferson how that relationship was going to work, what was going to happen to any child that was produced as a union from that. And the other thing is, neither she or Beverly, I think it was Beverly, neither she nor Beverly had to come back to America with Thomas Jefferson. France had already, France had already outlawed slavery. As far as the French were concerned, Sally and her brother were free. And mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson actually had to lie about the relation, lie about the fact that he called them servants rather than slaves. 
because the French would have just turned on. It's like, you know what? You could actually sue him for your freedom and you don't have to go back. So again, like Pocahontas, I just, I wish people really understood the history before they start trotting out names. Like Donnie was saying, not everything was rape. We're not saying that it didn't happen because we have, you know, we know the story of Louisa, Louisa Hammond, down there, one of many. So it did, you know, rape did happen. Um, True, true. And what do you think, because I'm just full of questions today. Um, <laughs> I like to throw stuff out there to get people to get people to think. What do you think about what I would call reverse racism? Where I have talked with African-American cousins who hate white people. And I tread lightly because it's like their hate is displaced. It's for the wrong reason. I get the slavery thing, but that wasn't you. You weren't there. And while we talk of everything from reparations and things of that nature, I've dealt with some Black people who refuse to accept the fact that they have white relatives, don't want white relatives on their tree, and don't want to talk about it. Just like reverse, like white, white folks too. So have you guys come across that? I will let others answer because with my family's skin tone we always knew we had white relatives we just didn't know who they were mm-hmm. so i'll let you go i'll let the rest of you answer i had one uh experience where i did research for a friend i traced his line all the way back to the plantation and my friend is very light-skinned very light-skinned it's obvious right mm-hmm. and he swear it to that day it's it's native american but <laughs> <laughs> you know, that. <laughs> like, uh, no, that's English, brother. <laughs> but no, Hamad, you're so true. There is that persistent, and it's not denying that African Americans don't have some degree of Native American. I mean, again, I don't think it's really been studied. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I, uh, you know, I've, I know of ten allied family lines where they've said the same thing. Oh no, we get our hair and our freckles and and our skin tone from from the yeah. Cherokee or the Blackfoot or whatever, whatever, whatever Native American tribe they can think of, that's the mm-hmm. one they Yeah, I, I've come across that too. So I got an Indian in my family, and no, that's white. It's white. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Indian. And I've had some people, well, my grandmother said, my great-grandmother, I don't care what your grandmother said, I don't care what your great-grandmother said, the DNA don't lie. That's not Indian. That's the white man. And, and I hate to say it, but it is what it is. That good hair you got, those freckles, that pretty sharp pointy nose, those thin lips, that's not Indian, sweetie. And they, some of them get offended, but I just, you know, I'm like dying. I just, I, and maybe I should maybe try to tone it down a little bit, but I just say what it is. It is what it is. I am a big believer in Winston Churchill's statement, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. Yeah. Well, I've had my issues, um, with though that question that you asked is <laughs> I had one family member who we were on 23 and me and basically she sent me a message and she was like I don't see how we're family I'm 99% white I said oh, okay well we must be that 1% because you didn't say 100 you said 99 <laughs> so obviously we must be that one percent. But again, Donnie, using your that exact 
that's such a perfect example. Okay, so she's 99% white. You're, however, whatever percentage you are, European. I can't remember what your European percentage. So somewhere within your European percentage and her 99% is your common ancestor. Exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing was, but what was so funny is that she became my friend on Facebook. And, and um, one day I got this message from her and all it said was, it was an inbox message and all it said was OMG. So I went on in, I'm like, what's wrong? And she said it again, OMG, I'm about to send you a picture. And I said, okay. I can't believe this picture. I said, okay. She sent me the picture and the picture was of two little boys and um, they were black. They were black, but they were very, very light skinned. One of them was her great grandfather. Mm -hmm. She was floored. And I was like, oh, there go that 1%. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself, there go that 1%. But I didn't say that part, you know, I didn't say that to her. And she was like, I can't believe it. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm like, we'll, we'll, we'll just work through it and find out who it is. And then she left. Mm-hmm. And again, I think I, I, I get this quite a bit, especially on ancestry, is trying to teach people who identify as being white, who are mystified about this sub-Saharan, that whatever degree of sub-Saharan that pops up on their, their kind of DNA results. And I just recently was um, dealing, speaking with a woman who's, who's a Kumbo descendant. Um, but our, our kind of mutual three times great-grandfather's name is Henry Kumbi. He came out of North Carolina. His father, for what you know, I guess his father decided that he was a fair enough complexion that he changed his race. You see on the census return, 1790, mulatto, 1800, mulatto, 1810, white. He not only changed his race, he subtly changed the surname from Kumbo to Kum sorry, from Kumbo to Kumbi. So the O changed to an IE. He moves down into North Carolina and then hops over to Florence, South Carolina, and kind of working. And it's like, look, as I told her, the Kumbos are a very well documented, very famous free family of color. And she was overjoyed. She's like, finally, she's like, I've been trying to find this black ancestor for like 30 years. And I never knew that it was under, you know, he was right under my nose the entire time. Wow. So we have one um, person who says, Sharon Bruno says, although it can be healing for us, it is difficult if white families have been living in denial for years and have living relatives who would like to keep it that way. They don't see us as family, just a dark part of their history. And, and that's true, too. And that brings us back to the original post itself. Do you put them on the tree? You know, or or do you wait until they pass on? And then right under that, Marie Eaton Jones, which is one of our cousins, she said, I believe it can be hard on both races. Now, one of the things that I think people fail to realize, I think African Americans fail to realize, is that yes, 
slavery was the most difficult thing. It was very hard for us, but it played a toll on white, on our white Americans as well. And I know I'm going to get feedback, but I don't care about being dragged. I'm going to drag you back. So (laughs) with that being said, with that being said, you have to think of it like, like this. Today, we do not allow our children to watch scary movies because of blood and gore. We don't allow our children to try to be around all of those things. Now, imagine a lynching. Have y'all ever really looked at the people standing around the lynching? There are babies. There are little kids. There are little children that's watching an actual lynching. They're watching these eyes bulging out. They're watching the fluids come from this person's body. They're watching these people then taking target practice on those that are being hung. You don't think that that showed some, that that didn't have some type of impact on those kids? Mm-hmm. I need for people to like really think about all of the different things that slavery had something to do with. It's not just us. Everybody had had a part in it and everybody was hurt by it. Were we hurt the most? Yeah. Our families were separated. We can't find each other. You know, there's so much stuff with us that is ridiculous, but they were hurt too. Well, what do you guys think about this? I think part of the problem is that the way that American history is taught supports a a white supremacist narrative. Whether people want to be honest about that or not, it does. Mm -hmm. And I think some people, depending on where they are in the country, are thinking, well, my ancestors fought for the belief that white people were superior to any other people on the face of the planet. So if they were superior, they would have never slept with a person who wasn't white. or raped a person who wasn't white. There you go. Do you guys, I mean, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that's part of the problem too? Absolutely. It's the way it's taught. Hmm. It's the way it's taught. Racism is taught and it's learned. There is no child, and I believe in God, but I don't believe there is anybody on this in this world ever that was born racist. It just doesn't happen because that's not who God is. Hmm. It is taught. It is clearly taught. It is passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that's all it is. It is a learned behavior. Yeah. It's learned behavior. That's all it is. And it's in, in I think the difference is like with the gentleman um, in, before the, the, in that clip, he understands that. And he wants to get past that. He wants to know how to undo that. Yes. He's admitting that he's a racist, but he wasn't born that way. He was taught. Yep. Mm -hmm. And his father taught him and his father before him. So now he's at the point where he realizes this isn't right, but I don't know how to undo it. And he wants to learn. And I think that's, like you said, Brian, you have to change what's taught in schools. And not just what's taught with white folks, what's taught to our black children about who they are. Yes. 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 Because that plays right into it, too. You know, our kids don't know half the stuff 
that we know as genealogists, where we feel they get the same old thing. It's Martin Luther King. It's 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 Harriet Tubman. It's just the same old folks. Yeah. We have such a broad range of good African-American history, where we come from, our lineage, and the good things that African-Americans do. But they're always taught the same core people. And that's yeah. the part that's frustrating. That's what's in those books. That's all that's in those books. And it's so far beyond that. But if those books aren't changed, nothing nothing will change. Our kids will... Are, and I think that's where it's up to the parents. Yeah, you got those books in school, but now when you're at home with your kids, you can insert into your children what you want. You can change the narrative of what they learn in school. And I think that's the responsibility of African-American parents and white parents. If you believe that what your ancestors did was wrong, then you can change the narrative, too, of your white children to say, listen, everything that you read about white folks and uh, white supremacy, all that supremacy, that's not true. So both parents, white and black, can change the narrative and can educate their children at home in their own space to combat what's the crap that they teach at school, as far as I'm concerned, is crap. Yes, and and that and that's and the thing about that, I want to piggyback on that one because my feeling is this: if you're going to, when you teach, when you learn about people like Patrick Henry, George Washington. Um, Thomas Jefferson, you have kids, you have your white children who are like, oh yeah, I'm connected to them in one way or another. So they already feel like they are a certain way. They already feel like they can do a certain thing or that they can be a certain way. What happens when, um, for black kids though, who, who is it there that they're being taught about that they can say that? it's only the ones that they're being taught about, which is Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, and so on and so forth. But these were people that were well into a certain time period. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about those that was before then. You're mm -hmm. not discussing the people that happened before then. We have so many family members just on our own that we know about as mm -hmm. researchers in our own family. Yeah. Have, you know, yeah. we have so many more. You're right. We have families who were, if you look at the genealogy, and I and for African American genealogists or, or or people who are just starting out, when you look at those censuses, just don't look at the name and try to match the name and put the person on the tree. Look at that full census. Look at what they did as an occupation. Look at where they lived. That is so telling. A lot of them were business owners. A lot of them, you know, had their own businesses and stuff like that. And that isn't so important important because it's not told. You know, th those are things that you we don't know that, you know, even as us as, as genealogists, we're just learning about our family and how important our history is. And we're not just, like you say, Harriet Tubman and, and Frederick Douglass, and those are very important people, but long, long before they came along. Right. You, you know, we were business owners. We owned land. We had property. We did so many good and wonderful things. And those stories aren't told. But when you're researching and you take the time to read those little newspaper articles and you look at those censuses, they tell, tell so many great stories that are overlooked because you just want to attach somebody to the tree real quick and build that tree. But read. Take the time to read those censuses and look. It tells a lot. It does. Well, in my school... 
I only heard about two people, and that was Phyllis Wheatley and Crispus Atkins. And it was never really explained. Their backstory was never really given. It was just Phyllis Wheatley wrote these beautiful poems, mm -hmm. and Crispus Atkins was part of the American Revolution in, in Massachusetts. And, mm -hmm. and that was it. I was 26 or 27 years old before I even learned that there were free people of color in America. Mm -hmm. And because again, through my whole through my whole school system, you know, this is a Connecticut school system, all I heard was slave, 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 slave. Mm -hmm. So like the, the first the first Africans of Virginia were described as slaves. Well, now I know they weren't kind mm -hmm. of thing. But you know, I'm like in my fifties now, you know, learning about the, the, the first Africans of Virginia. So me, I mean, I, I might be like um, Sancho Pazzo tilting, you know, tilting my little lancet at the, at the windmill, but I'd, I would really love to see the American, his, American history curriculum completely just thrown out and start from scratch and be inclusive. Really teach about Native American history, teach about Black history, teach about all the non-white people that were settlers in the, the colonies almost from day one, Chinese, Middle Eastern, Indian, Southeast Asian, they never even get a look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, True. and Latinx. I can't forget my Latinx brothers and sisters, especially all, all, all along the South. But you know, there's so many, this country really does, I don't know what people are afraid of, because the country has such an amazing, multi-layered, rich history that goes all the way back to the beginning. But you only really hear about one group of people, and that's it. The thing yeah. is that the, 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 if you really went into the research of it, when I say to you the amazement that you start to learn about these different people, you're looking at them like, my people did that? And as an as a African-American, and I think, if I was younger and in school and I learned these things, would it have made a bigger impact on me? Yes, because then at some point I could have said the same thing that my white friends were saying, which was, oh yeah, I'm connected to this person in this way and I'm this and I can do that. And I, I could believe in me more as an African-American, but Right now, all, all the only thing that our children are taught is that we were slaves. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that we're taught. We're taught that we were slaves. We're taught that um, who we were as as people, all we could do was clean and 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 be servants, and we couldn't do anything else. When in actuality, our families, this world wouldn't be where it is if we didn't do what we do. Jamestown would not have existed if we didn't save them. You understand what I'm saying? We saved them and, yeah. and you left that part out. History, American history is not, it's not truthful. It's not a lie, but it ain't truthful either because uh -huh. it's missing a whole bunch of stuff. And, and until I started doing this research, and I started filling that stuff in, it made it started to make sense. And with it making sense, it also started to get me to understand, hold up, my people was doing a whole bunch. And I did I had no idea that we were we were like that. But again, we we bring a lot to the table 
and working to, together collaboratively can help everyone. I think specifically thinking about a lot of the work that Loretta and Ahmad have done with their Settles relations, because we've all used that famous, I can't remember what it's called, Settles lineage book. Um, it's riddled, riddled with, with errors. But more than more more than me, I mean, the two of you have really worked with with our with our white Suttles family, in terms of unpicking what was correct in that book, what wasn't correct in that book. You guys are really good about challenging each other and um, and, and working together to to kind of solve those issues. And I mean, what kind of an experience has that been like for you two? I think for me, it's it's I'm saddened for me because. It's just, well, especially with Raleigh Settles, um, because he's my, what do you call it? My, um, he's on my bucket list. He, he's my bucket list research. Um, and how fractured his children are and the families and the descendants for him to have as many children as he did and to live in the same area to grow up in the same area. And when I say area, I mean this, the town got two stoplights and you're done. And But for them not to know who they are or that they related to this one down the street is, is very disappointing because it, it puts me and Hamad in a situation where it's really just the two of us against the world. That's what it feels like. <laughs> know that feeling. <laughs> and and um, it puts us in a situation where there is information that we know is at the courthouse in North Carolina, and it's going to be up to either Hamad or I to get it. Now, I'm in Connecticut. Hamad is in Virginia. We have cousins that I could say could walk to the courthouse, but they won't. Yep. And that's and that's the distressing part. And part of it is because some of them don't even know who we're talking about. And then there's the part of the ones who don't care. Then there's the ones who they seem like they're on the bandwagon. And then, but when you ask them to do something or get involved, then it's like, eh, well, maybe think about, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, they're just not reliable sources, even though they're right there. And to have a reunion where this man, Raleigh, could have had, he could have a family reunion by himself that could encompass two or 300 people mm. in North Carolina. It will never happen because half of them don't know. And I think one of the reasons I will say is because of the two marriages. And, I, and it just dawned on me last night that this could be the reason for the dissent. It's the two wives and children from one marriage versus children from another marriage. Because to me, that, that seems to be where the line has been drawn. But it's still distressing because it, we can't get them to collaborate. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh, so we have some people who are um, responding. And... Um, Marie Eaton says it really changes your life when you know who you truly are. So I guess she was responding to what I was saying. And then it said Gladys Hardaway says history should be inclusive and truthful, which I agree. I'm going to go look at this uh, link that Martha had put up, but Martha Marshall put up a link. I guess it's about what's in the books. Kaylee um, said, I'm pretty sure I graduated high school knowing 
who Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks are, but not much more than that. And, and that's crazy. Harold Lopp, he says, I got contacted from cousin matches of enslaved family lineage that have that have to share a close enough DNA match to, that I have to share a close enough DNA match to, but haven't gotten a good enough tree to give them the answer of how yet. At present, I know that my oldest known surname ancestor is un is an unexpected paternal event. So, yeah, and then Marie Eaton says, that was my story with my dad. I lived down the street from my siblings over 20 years and didn't know. And and, now, and those are those are all of the things that are going on right now where families don't even know that their family, I mean, my daughter graduated with her, with one of her cousins, both of their names were Alexis. And we literally did not know that they, that they were in the same class until graduation day. These girls went to school together from at least ninth grade to 12th grade. Didn't know. Then my um, my other son, my autistic son, Demetrius, he was in class, in the same classroom with his cousin and didn't know it. Had no clue. Thank you, Afibo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how is this for bizarre? Me living in England, marrying what I can only describe as a classic English rose, my first wife, she and I were 14th cousins. I had, I mean, that's distant, so I don't feel bad about having accidentally married a cousin, but we had no idea that we were related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None. But for the Settles line, these are more, these are relatives that are our age, that are living right now, that cannot seem to collaborate to get the information that we know, we know that there is a gold mine of information in North Carolina. We could feel it. Me and me and Hamad have been working ferociously and we're on the cusp of it. We could taste it. But it's gonna be the two of us that are gonna have to go to Carolina and make these discoveries. And like I said, that's the disappointing part because there are so many of them that are right down there that could really be helpful with the information, but they, for whatever reasons, you, you can't, they, they just won't go through whether they'll refuse or, you know, whatever their reasons are. Listen, I had one cousin who wouldn't even come to my, when I went down there for um, something and they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't come because of the area. I'm, I'm not going to say names or anything like that, but it was the area. They're like, I don't, I don't go into that area. And I'm like, I understand. And I do. But for you guys, for, for, Loretta and Hamad, Marie says she's in South Carolina. So mm -hmm. I don't know if she's saying she'll go and look, but that's somebody you might want to talk to. Matter of fact, Marie, Hamad, Hamad, Marie, that's the cousin that I was telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> so, is she, yeah, you, you guys how are she, DNA related. How is she related to Hamad? She's like listed as a fourth cousin on his on his thing. That's the Halloween. Ask her. Ask her. Is she a Gilchrist? Look, I I'm not getting into that. We we got five minutes. We'll have that time. But yeah, she um Marie Eaton. I'll make sure that you guys get in touch. You know, have the contact changed, and um that way 
maybe she can help because she's definitely into researching and doesn't have a problem in checking out things. So, okay. mm -hmm. but again, I guess another example I'm going to give is you know coming at this as adults, just accepting the truth and what D you know as Hamad said, DNA don't lie. Mm -hmm. um, I remember about three or four years ago, there was a Holloway cousin, um, a white Holloway cousin coming out of Louisiana, who she couldn't get past a William Holloway for love nor money. So, uh, William Holloway born about 1819. And it's not her fault. There's a billion, there's a billion William Holloways out mm -hmm. there. But because she popped up on my on the, the DNA match list, she matches all of you, all of us. And I was just looking at how she was matching everyone, and I was I was able to help her identify the correct William Holloway that had left Edgefield to go down to go down to Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And she was just so happy. She'd been working on it for a long time, and she was just so happy to have the answer. It didn't matter to her that the answer was coming from someone who wasn't white. She was just finally pleased, as I said, to be able to push her family story back a little bit further. Right. All right. And she said Holloway. Marie said Holloway. Okay, then that's that's the connection. Big family, Marie. <laughs> oh, we haven't touched the Holloways. Most of us, we really haven't delved into the Holloways. I think we're all scared. <laughs> yeah, that's like the Matthews Mathis family. That's me. I, I, I get stuck into the Holloways. <laughs> yeah. Harold Locke said, I think at the time we meet our maker, we could be beings of light. And at that time, we all will know our true identity. I know that's right. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I guess my towards you know my my kind of final closing message is, if you do genealogy, if you're going to get genealogy isn't for dilettantes. It's not entertainment. It's not something that should be taken lightly. You do it. You have to be prepared to accept whatever it is you find, no matter how uncomfortable. That makes you. Mm -hmm. you do it. You have to do all of it. You have to be 100%. Yeah. That's you my, have that's to understand. Person. And you have to also understand that when you do the genealogy test, which is a show that Brian and I are talking about possibly doing, but when you do that genealogy test, know that know where you're testing at and who you're, you know, the companies that you're working with because you're going to get contact. You know, you, you're going to get contacted. And if they're going to contact you, you need to know whether or not you're ready to do that. Or if you're looking at just ethnicity, you need to know which place to go to do that. You know, you know, just it's it's not for the faint heart. It's not genealogy as a whole is not for the faint of heart. But no. when you add DNA in on it, understand and know that things are going to happen and you are going to find some stuff out that just know that absolutely DNA don't lie yes sir it can change your whole I, I know guys who took a DNA test thinking I'm Irish or I have this and they take a DNA test and there's something totally different in fact they find out they were adopted they find mm. out that they're half siblings so DNA I just had a, one of my cousins go through that yeah and uh, come to find out, the older cousins knew about it, but they kept it secret. But the DNA just uh, exposed them. Yeah, it's a fever. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think um, you know that's the part about the the DNA. If, like Danya said, if you are really not ready to be truthful and honest and deal with the results, then don't bother to do it. That's right. Don't bother. Don't waste your time. 
because and it's, it's a waste. <laughs> well, again, perfect example. I'm not going to say where he was from, but again, I don't know why I seem to attract these messages on Ancestry, but this guy approached me, told me who, who our family was in common. He was shocked because he had sub-Saharan African, but he had prefaced this comment by saying, I'm going to be really honest. I'm a blatant racist. I don't like black people. I think black people are horrible. I've just found out that I'm 25% sub-Saharan African. What do I do with that? And I'm like, what do you expect me? What do you expect me to tell you? You're 25% sub-Saharan African. You're just going to have to, that's who you are. It's not even about sucking it up and accepting it. You are 25% sub-Saharan African. So and you do hate you, yourself because at 25%, you that's a lot. That's a lot. But his profile picture, I can like I could kind of understand why he was so shocked because he was blonde haired and blue eyed. Well, okay. you now guess what? You a blonde haired, blue eyed black person because 25% that's a quarter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a whole quarter. What's so, that? A great, what's that? A great grandma? Great, yeah. yeah great great grandparent. Well, come to find out that it, it was his great grand one of his great grandmothers. Mm -hmm. It's a great grandmother. She black or he black. But they she but they black. were told but they were told that she was Portuguese. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, that color nah. <laughs> yeah. You run with that. Mhm. Mm That's crazy. But this was a great show. It was <laughs> This was another Great show. I um I want to thank Loretta and Hamad for definitely joining us once again. You're welcome. Love thank you guys. So much. I love you guys too. Another hour that just flew by. Flew. Okay. Well, I gotta say this real quick. Shelly Murphy just said average black in USA has 25% European. How about that? Mm hmm That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Make so, friend, do we know what next week's show is, or we're going to post it? We're going to post it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for you know joining us and for just listening in, and thank you for your your comments and just everything. And we are looking forward to next week and talking with you again. Enjoy All the right. rest of your Sunday. I'm Brian. And I'm Danya. And thank you both. Thank you. Both of uh, to both of our guests for sharing part of their Sunday with us and moving the conversation forward. All right. All right. Have a Thank great you. day. Thank All you. right. Bye.